Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special 4th of July edition of the Corner 3 Podcast. As you know, as things are moving forward in the NBA free agency and things are getting crazy, the Eastern Conference May not have a whole lot left anymore for talent, but one team still does, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers. A team with a lot of questions, whether it be, who's our GM, will our best player be here in 2018, and who will actually be on the opening day roster come 2017-2018? Well, I had to get all these questions answered, so I brought in a good buddy from Burning River Hoops. You can check him out on Twitter at bbeldon330. Mr. Ben Belden. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, talk some Cavaliers. So this is funny that we're doing an NBA show uh, together because we both, you you currently do, I used to have a Notre Dame podcast, and we never once did that together, but we're doing this. (laughs) Yeah, I I would have put money on us talking about Notre Dame before uh, the Cavs, but, you know, either one uh, is good for me, and we can talk about Notre Dame some other time for sure. Yeah, I'm in. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, talk about Burning River Hoops and some of the other websites you write for currently. I know you have quite a few on your list. Uh, what do you work on mainly in those websites? What's something like that you like to do the most work on? Um, so I've been writing at Amico Hoops from time to time. Uh, this summer's been so crazy for me. I haven't gotten, I haven't cranked out a whole lot so far, but it's slowing down. I coach basketball and June's a big month for that so i haven't had a ton of time to just sit down and write but um i do some kind of whole nba stuff at amico hoops and uh, i'm doing some editing and hopefully a little bit of podcasting at a brand new website called the 94 feet report um so that website's www.94feetreport.com um so uh that's what i'm working on these days and a little bit with burning river hoops as well so i'm really uh spread all over the place along with like the notre dame stuff that i do as well with goldendomerdaily.com yeah, man, you are all over the place. I see you everywhere. So um, let's get a little bit into some Cavaliers basketball here. First things first, obviously, uh, disappointing finals where I thought they played as well as they could have. They just they ran into the, the real-life Monstars um, in the Golden State Warriors. I thought, you know, and then everything seems to kind of go where Griff leaves. And then, uh, you know, all the LeBron, the L.A. rumors come out. And then... Draft day, there's a Kyrie Irving trade rumor, which, come on, it's realistic people, that's never happening. And there is, you know, Kevin Love's being moved, JR is getting moved, Amon Shepard's getting moved. Uh, so, your take on the Cavaliers offseason so far and what you think of what's going on? I think at first I really thought that going into the offseason, given how the finals went, and not having a ton of time to reflect on the finals, I think that I really expected one of these big major moves to happen as far as Paul George or Jimmy Butler was even thrown out there for like 24 hours. Um, (laughs) I really was expecting one of those to happen. Looking back on it now, now that it's, you know, we're coming up on July 4th here, um, probably most of the people listening to this will listen to it on July 4th. Um, I'm not really surprised. I don't think that they haven't made a big move yet. Um, And I don't, necessarily know that one's coming although i i think i could be surprised but i think just to sum up and we can you know kind of tear out this a little bit i think that the perception of the Cavs is that it's been very dysfunctional thus far and from what i my opinion is that the 
dysfunction level isn't quite where a lot of people are putting it, I guess. I, I'm also kind of the type of guy that doesn't really freak out too easily because the Cavaliers have done this to me so many times. They've got me really anxious, and then it always seems like they kind of figure it out. And I'm kind of, uh, you know, maybe jaded in that direction. But until things, like, actually blow up for the Cavs, I'm not really ever going to uh, think the dysfunction is super-duper high. And I think that having the best player in the world, there's a certain level of uh, security in that, even if, you know, like you kind of mentioned, it might be short-lived, although I have my doubts about that as well. Um, I uh, I go back and forth on it all the time. Like, I understand the point where people do have this idea he could go to L.A. and, you know, end his career there. But then again, I also have this thought process, and I think, you know, gosh, I can't believe I'm using this guy for reference, but Chris Broussard said that his inside was that LeBron's goal has always been to retire in Cleveland. Um, but there's that other thing that kind of hangs over the, the uh, LeBron thing, and that is um, Dan Gilbert, you know, who a lot of people have their opinions on there and their insights on. What is your take on uh, owner Gilbert and – his ups and downs and his non non love of extending GMs and every mumbo jumbo that comes out about him. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a hardcore businessman, I think, and I think that sometimes you know he, he's been so all in on the Cavs, and that's kind of where I think the whole all in thing came for came from for Cleveland. He's been like so far all in with like him just throwing money at this team that like people forget that like at the core of him before he's a before he was ever a owner of an NBA basketball team, he was a successful businessman. And for him, you know, he's not going to overpay for assets. He, he wants money. He likes his money. Um, he wants to do things with his money. And some of the things that he wants to do with his money are actually really great. Um, the point, I guess, that I'm trying to get at is that it doesn't surprise me that uh, maybe David Griffin was – trying to say, well, I deserve this much money. And he's like, well, you know what? I can get somebody else to do your job for a few million dollars cheaper. So either take a few million dollars less or um, see ya. And that's just kind of how he is. He's a cutthroat type of guy. Um, he's a no-nonsense type of guy. I can respect that. Um, although from you know the NBA perspective, he – seems to <laughs> i guess rub cleveland fans the wrong way because it just you know from the outside looking in it's just like stop micromanaging the basketball aspect when you are a not really necessarily a basketball guy um so there's a love-hate relationship there with um me and him i think um so talk a little about you know i think one of the big things that really stood out obviously in the Finals and the difference between the two teams was um, the bench, which I went into the finals thinking I thought the Cavaliers had the, event, the, the advantage on the bench with guys like D. Will, Corver, and Fry, and you know so on. And you know those guys weren't spectacular by any stretch uh, in the finals for there. And then we get to this off season, and Kyle Corver signs a deal, which I thought was the right move. Uh, I'm glad he's coming back to Cleveland for a little bit longer. Uh, Jose Calderon comes in, so a lot of people think that might be the end of the Darren Williams era already in Cleveland. So as they keep moving forward with this, and you know, you you talked quite a bit on Twitter this week about you know using that trying to trade him on Shumpert and how he thought that was the right move. Houston and Clevelanders reports were really close to making that trade. Uh, what what are your thoughts on where to go with the bench from here? Uh, obviously, I'm with you. I think it's all, I'm all for team trade him on if it's going to help the Cavs out a little more, but. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% certain where else I can go. I guess there's always this buyout rumor, which that we'll touch on at some point. Right, right. So I think that 
it's kind of the reason that I'm on team trade him on and is because the Cavaliers are about nine and a half million dollars over the tax apron, which basically means that, you know, if you're not under the tax apron, you can't make a sign and trade. So if the Cavaliers want to get one of these free agents, um, say, I don't know, you know, the one that people are keep talking about is George Hill for Kyrie Irving, which a lot of people think is ludicrous to an extent I do as well. But at the same time, it's not quite as ludicrous as some people think, to be honest. And we can touch on that in a second. But in order to make any type of deal where, you know, maybe you are finding a kind of a bigger name free agent at the expense of maybe a Kevin Love, you have to cut about $9 million and some change worth of salary. Amon Shumpert makes pretty much the exact same salary as the Cavs are over the cap apron. And Houston had a big like $11 million trade exception that they created when they traded for Chris Paul. Um, so to me, that made a lot of sense. And that's kind of what I was talking about on Twitter this weekend. Um, salary dump him on Shumper, and all of a sudden you can you open up you know, some more opportunities. Um, and certainly it wouldn't only be Houston that they could trade him on Shumper to as well. There's other teams with cap room that might want to use them and things like that. Um, so that's where I was coming from in that direction. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of things that could go on with that. I think that the Cavaliers need to have like the insurance of if we salary dump Amon Shumpert, this person is signing with us. They shouldn't just do it just to do it. I don't think unless they're really they're just really 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 gung ho about saving money, which maybe they are. I I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that um, you know, my difficulty with the bench right now is. I don't really mind them bringing in Calderon, especially for you know, the deal they had with how, you know, like you mentioned, their cap issues. Um, but it's that back end, too, of the Derek Williams, Richard Shefson, Channing Fries. What do you do next? Not that I dislike any of those guys, obviously, because they're great guys. I love road tripping. I listen to it every every time it's out. But, um, you know, what more with, the, with those contracts can those guys do for this Cleveland team? Well, I guess Fry could probably be a little more about the most valuable of the three. I don't know. I like Derek Williams. I thought he should have got some finals minutes, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that a lot of Cavs fans ask what happened to Derek Williams come the playoffs, especially in the finals, where it seems like, you know, when they signed Derek Williams, you kind of got the idea, well, this is a guy that could maybe chase around a combo forward in the finals, and the Warriors happen to have two really good ones. Um, so, but I think kind of what happened is that they signed Derek Williams at a time where J.R. Smith was still out, uh, Kevin Love was still out. Once those two guys got into the rotation, he was just kind of the odd man out. And I don't know. It's hard in any sport, you know, when you haven't played meaningful minutes in a long time to just kind of jump right back in and uh, have a major impact, I think. And that, I think that's kind of what happened. Um, had they had Derek Williams all season and had he been playing, you know, even – 10, 12 minutes a game at the beginning of the season, had his minutes increased through the dog days of the season, something like that. I think it might have been a different story. But getting a guy on a buyout midseason and then truthfully expecting him to help you in the finals, I think, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, it was maybe a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, and I think uh, let's talk a little bit real quick. Let's touch on uh, Jose Calderon. Um, Not a sexy signing, obviously. It's not something where – it's going to make a difference and probably win them a few more games. But, um, you know, a guy that you could trust to come off the bench, 
a guy who doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. His assist turnover ratio is a uh, nice to see. Um, and a guy that you know, if Kyrie Irving wants to keep having those crazy fourth quarters he had in the NBA Finals, that can give him a couple minutes there in the second and third quarters. So, uh, what did your take on Calderon? How he fits? Like, like I said, I think the money was good for him, especially for what they have. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I generally like the signing. I mean, it's like you said, it's not earth-shattering, groundbreaking by any means, but he probably shoots the three a little bit more consistently than Darren Williams does um, or did, I guess you could say, as we assume probably that he won't be back given that it seems like that you know backup point guard role is now gone. Um, so that's good. You're not really losing anything defensively <laughs> from Calderon to from Williams to Calderon. Calderon's not a great defender, but, you know, when he's coming off the bench and he's playing in short bursts, I'm sure that, I mean, that's going to help his defensive productivity. So I I generally like the the contract and I mean, they got him on the vet minimum. So it's not like, it's not like signing him closed doors to other players, I guess is what I'm trying to say. What's the sense you get of people freaking about, freaking out about LeBron? There's that report that came out this weekend that he's not recruiting players. Uh, There's this, you know, Obviously, since that report was out on the ringer, that a lot of people in the NBA think he's leaving after next season. When you talk to Cavaliers fans and you kind of get the sense and that conversation comes up, how much are people freaking out, have you noticed? Oh, I think people are freaking out more than than they should be, to be honest. I actually just read a Facebook post today of – a friend of mine basically saying, wow, it, it really seems like LeBron's gone. But to me, you know, and this goes back to me being a guy that doesn't freak out a whole lot. Um, it takes an awful lot to freak me out, I guess. Um, to me, the whole LeBron thing, um, I, it's hard to even tell where to start because there's so many levels of it. First of all, I don't think LeBron's going to leave. And I would say 75% of me says he stays in Cleveland and 25% says he leaves just because, you know, crazy things happen in the NBA. I never thought he would leave the first time. But when you take into account that I guess the most compelling argument that I have for LeBron not leaving is that every year since LeBron's come back to Cleveland, he's signed like that one plus one deal. So one year with a player option. Well, last year – and the reason he did that was to create leverage. Last year, he signed a two plus one and kind of shocked everyone. It's like, wow, like what's he going to do for leverage now? It wouldn't surprise me one single bit if basically this article that came out on the ringer that he's going to go to L.A. wouldn't surprise me one bit if LeBron James, maybe not himself, but someone from his camp went ahead and said, well, this is what we're going to do for leverage so that you know he can leverage the Cavaliers into making some deals or catering to him a little bit this off season because he doesn't have the leverage. He can't like hold out till the end of July and not sign a contract and leave them hanging and that type of thing. Um, so I think kind of that might be where that comes from, to be honest with you. And as far as him not recruiting free agents, well, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I mean, they don't have cap room for major free agents and I mean, like the best guy maybe that they could get would be like a Zach Randolph. If you're LeBron James, are you picking up the phone and wasting your time trying to recruit Zach Randolph? Um, are you wasting your time trying to recruit? I I don't even know. But guys that are going to take minimum contracts or that mid-level exception contract, I, I'm not. I mean, I think he knows that the best that Cleveland really can get unless they make a trade, which he's not going to be involved in, is or just fringe guys and I don't think he 
particularly cares all that much. So that I think that's where that comes from. You put all that together and you get a major freak out, and I'm just not buying it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I'm I'm half and half. Just depends the day I'm talking. I can see both sides. I would love for him to stay. Obviously, um, I want and I would love to see him. Could you submit? Because his legacy is still as great as it is, and I think he's you know he's the best basketball player I've seen. Um, yeah, I said that. I'm sure someone's going to yell at me, but um, you know. <laughs> well, the 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 other thing is that he has teenage kids, and when he came back, like he. His oldest son, I want to say he's 12, maybe he's 13. He's somewhere in that ballpark. He's going to be going to high school soon. You would assume that he wants him to go to the high school that he went to. Like the the high school gym at Akron St. Vincent St. Mary High School is called LeBron James Arena. Um, then again, maybe he doesn't want him to put – doesn't want him to have to go through that pressure. But at the same time, like, I mean, there's a lot of other aspects to it, like personal life aspects, like – I, there was a quote when he came back to Cleveland that whenever he was, you know, he in his mind was making the decision to come back to Cleveland from Miami, he went to his kids and said, hey, like, what do you guys think about this? And his kids said something along, and this came from LeBron James's mouth. They said, oh, we get to hang out with our old friends again? And he was like, yeah. And they're like, all right, cool, let's go. And, like, I just can't see, like, at that stage in his kids' lives, I can't see him moving his whole family to Los Angeles um, or anywhere else, to be honest with you. So there's, like, the whole human aspect of it, too, yeah. even outside of basketball. So, I mean, when you start thinking about it, I just, I don't know. It just seems like there's more signs that he's actually going to stay than him leaving. Now, if the Cavaliers implode next season, could he leave? Absolutely. But I don't really, at this point, think that's his intention. So... Here's the two reasons I think that he'll probably stay. Um, that well, today, like I said, this this flips on me all the time. One, um, the East got a lot worse this week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I can say that as a fringe Cavaliers Bulls fan. I know that's terrible, but um, you know, the Butler trade, obviously, for you know whatever, and then uh, the Paul George trade to Oklahoma City. Uh, the East definitely got a lot of worse. Obviously, you know. Gordon Hayward might make it a little better if he decides to go to Boston or Miami. Two, the guy left Miami where he had it made to come back to Cleveland. Uh, it wasn't like he left there because he didn't love it. You know, he didn't enjoy his time in Miami by any stretch of the matter. He was playing with two of the ten best players in the world at the time, and he still decided mm-hmm. to come back to Cleveland to work with this up-and-coming point guard and got a great power forward for what he needed. So I think that those are the two things where I stand out where I think he'll stay. Um... And plus, like, I think that uh, as much as, you know, I think LeBron James could play in any situation, I think if you put him in the triangle, he could make it work. But uh, I don't know if L.A. will exactly be the best spot for him, only because it, he, Lou Walt's not a rookie coach anymore. He likes rookie coaches. We've seen this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, I mean – to piggyback off of what you're saying, it just seems like there's a whole lot as dysfunctional as you might say that the Cavaliers are. It seems a whole lot more like there's a lot more question marks. There are a lot more question marks in the Los Angeles Lakers franchise. And we know he's not going to the Clippers because Chris Paul just got traded. So right. he's not going there. Um, it seems like there's a whole lot more question marks with their franchise. I mean, they've got Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle. Jordan Clarkson right now. Um, so for a guy who said he wanted to chase Jordan doesn't seem very like a very good idea for him to go to Los Angeles. And then even if he brought 
Carmelo Anthony or even if he brought Dwayne Wade or somebody with him. It just doesn't seem like that's something that he wants to do given that he's just lost <laughs> to the Warriors who look like they're going to be pretty darn good for the next three, four years. Um, you know, you think he wants to go to the Lakers and potentially lose in the Western Conference Finals? Uh, that It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. How likely do you think it is that turn buyout period that we have three-fourths of team banana boat in Cleveland? I think that, well, before Phil Jackson was let go by the Knicks, I thought that Carmelo Anthony's buyout was a lot more likely. I still think it could happen. Um, as far as Dwayne Wade, you know, Maybe with both of those guys even, I, I don't think that it'll happen before the season starts. Maybe as the season goes on, it you know, as teams look at as the Bulls and the Knicks look at, well, we are not even competing for a playoff spot, let's let them go. Because they've already paid a good amount of their salary by that point of the year anyway. Um and they just buy the rest of it out and then it all happens. But um so I think that uh I think if Carmelo Anthony gets bought out and I'll just throw this part out there for as a for sure. I think there's nowhere else that he's going besides Cleveland. Um, he wants to stay, I think, kind of at least in the northeast-ish part of the United States. Um, I said this on another podcast that I was a guest on that Cleveland is, you know, a lot of people kind of think of Cleveland as like a very, very poor man's New York. I mean, it kind of has the same feel on a very, very much smaller scale as far as like what it looks like and, you know, the same type of atmosphere, I guess. Um, and I think that Carmelo likes that feel and Carmelo said back when he was a free agent before he got like that mega deal that he's on right now, he actually considered going to the Rockets, but he didn't want to go live in Texas basically because the culture change was so completely, completely different. So that's why he ended up signing in New York. Um, so I can't really see him going to like a team like Houston, maybe, maybe Boston would be a team he would consider because that kind of has the same feel as well. But um, so if Carmelo's bought out, I expect to see him in a Cavs jersey, to be honest with you. And part of me thinks that like that's what the Cavs are waiting on. Like they know that they can't make these big splash moves. So they want to get some flexibility so that they can sign a couple minimum contracts midseason next year. And uh, I don't know, but there's no way to know. And that's kind of what drives Cavs fans crazy, I think. And it's kind of getting to me a little bit as well. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's sometimes, I won't lie. Because, um, uh, you know, as a Bulls fan, I can remember during that whole time period of um, when like, the whole rumor forever was Carmelo Anthony was going to go to Chicago. And I remember when he went to meet with the Bulls at the United Center, they had a giant Carmelo Anthony Bulls banner out there. And I am so glad that didn't happen. I'm so glad it didn't happen. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked out particularly oh. well. Well, we saw Derek Rose and Carmelo Anthony this year. Granted, older with less knees, right. but um, kind of go back <laughs> with less knees. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Go on. Going back to the Cavaliers here, though, um, I think one thing that's kind of interesting is the backup center position and um, behind Tristan Thompson. You know, even that's another guy that's. Bit talked depending where you look has been talked about some potential trades there. People were talking about him for Boogie, and I don't know how where they think New Orleans would make that deal, but I would be all for it if they would. I don't think it's obviously it's not happening, but um, backup center position I think is interesting because right now it looks like it's Tavares is that backup spot. But could you see a situation maybe where Tyron Lue and company, if the leg can work in like stand still, they might want to give Bogut another try. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that would be something that would make a lot of sense. Um, it's almost like, you know, to you and I, it makes sense, but like, I, I don't know like how that works from like a business standpoint. You call them up and and be like, Hey, we had this kind of like awkward situation. Do you want to like try to rectify that? Or I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Um, you know, one thing that I had heard a lot about that I haven't heard as much about now since Paul George was traded and this proposed trade with the Nuggets and the Cavs and the Pacers isn't going to happen. But one thing that I heard about was that, you know, and one thing that I continue to hear about this part was that Denver wants to part with Kenneth Fareed, who's making like $13 million a year or something of that nature um, over the next two years. If, you know... Amon Shumpert for Kenneth Fareed doesn't work exactly straight up, but you could throw a couple, you know, small contracts in there to make it work. I think, um, you know, if you want to go out and get him, that might be something that you I could that. you could do. Um, and I think that would make a lot of sense because he and Tristan play a similar game, so you're not really losing. Um, I don't know, you're not really losing much. Um, you, you don't have a big drop off between those two guys. Um, so I think that would make a lot of sense, to be honest. Um, and as far as like another bargain guy that they could get, I don't, I don't know that there's a whole lot of guys out there that are going to fit what the Cavaliers want to do defensively, which is allow Tristan Thompson to switch on to smaller players. And if they have Kenneth Reed, maybe he does it as well. Um, traditional big men, even like Bogut can't really, can't really do that. So, um, I don't know. That's where I stand on that situation. I so wanted Larry Sanders to work out. Oh, I so wanted it to work out. It would have been so fun. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I was really high when that happened. Um, Let me rephrase what I just said. (laughs) I was really high on that move when it happened. Um, Goodness gracious. Um, But anyway, um, it's ironic that we're talking about Larry Sanders, and I just said that. But anyway, (laughs) um, so I I really wanted that to work out too, but (laughs) uh, people that I heard talk about him when he, like, played – in the D league at Canton or like he was struggling with like, not even like not even playing at a high level, but like even just like catching and finishing, like catching the basketball and, you know, playing when there's like people around you, he was like struggling with like basketball fundamentals. And I, I wish it would have worked out because he would have been perfect and he would have been a bargain guy, but unfortunately uh, just didn't. So Sorry. All right, so let's say here, let's say this whole thing works out. Let's say the buyouts happen from Chicago and New York, which if it's if it's Chicago, it's not gonna be till February. Let's just be realistic here. This is what this is what John Paxson does. Um, Wade, but Mello, they're out there. They sign. So you're looking at this team of Kyrie, Jr., LeBron, Love, Thompson, Wade, and Mello. Who starts? <laughs> um, you think it could, you think that they can convince Carmelo to be a six man? I don't. I think Wade they probably could. I think Wade seems like the personality that wouldn't be. I mean, he even said in Chicago that if what they want me to do is be the six man, then you know maybe I'll consider it. That's until they um, pitch it to him. When they pitch it to him, <laughs> it might go over differently. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, so I I honestly think that. I, I think it's got to be the normal starting five that the Cavaliers have and Dwayne and Carmelo coming off the bench. And maybe if you pitch it 
to Carmelo in the instance, well, yeah, you're the sixth man, but you're also kind of sharing that sixth man role and you're playing in the second unit with Dwayne Wade. <laughs> so yeah. maybe that sounds a lot better to him. And Carmelo's probably like, wait a minute. I get to go against other teams' second units and I get to play with Dwayne Wade. I'm going to get to shoot a lot. <laughs> so, you know, I mean... Olympic Carmelo never... right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that that... I mean, I don't know how Carmelo Anthony thinks, but I think that if it's put in that context that, you know, a lot of times LeBron James plays with the second unit and then you'd be playing with Dwayne Wade and, you know, yourself and uh, maybe a Kenneth Fareed and uh, Jose Calderon who can, is, just gonna, is only going to pass and shoot open threes, then maybe it looks pretty attractive. Those four guys you just said could definitely be the starting five for the Knicks. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they could be a starting five for a lot of NBA teams down there near the bottom, I feel like. So uh, it's funny because we, you know, we're doing this thing. We're talking about the Cavaliers. I'm watching the Big Three League right now, and I just saw Larry Hughes putting up shots for those uh, for those ghosts of Cavaliers past. Oh man, Larry Hughes! I I kind of forgot about him. Um, <laughs> so did Larry Hughes. <laughs> I don't really even know what happened to him after that finals run with the Cavs. I don't really know how he left the league or if he played in the league after the Cavs. I don't know. I honestly couldn't tell you. So we talk about this on our show occasionally. We'll get a laugh. Um, I do on this channel for the quarter three. I do just show with one of my buddies where we'll break down old drafts and like we've done like you know the big ones eighty four oh three ninety seven. We've gone through five or six drafts from like eighty four to now, and we found two at least two or three guys in every draft that is, that played with LeBron James either as like a bench guy in Miami or in that first Cleveland run. So who's your favorite random LeBron teammate from that first Cleveland run? Give me a minute. Um, I still stick with Booby Gibson because he was oh. super fun off the bench. Oh, I loved Booby Gibson, and I can tell a great story sort of about him. Um, my favorite obscure would have to probably be Anthony Parker. Oh, my God, that happened, yes. Um, <laughs> just because I was always fascinated with Anthony Parker because, like, I remember whenever I was a kid and I would go to Cavs fans, I'd get mad at Anthony Parker and I would be like, your sister's better at basketball than you are. And uh, <laughs> that uh, might be accurate. I don't know. But it is. That's that's why. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if she's actually better at basketball, but proportionally to to their leagues, she definitely is. Um, so that I, that's that's who I'll go with for now. But <laughs> Booby Gibson's great. I, I was at a uh, – back when Kevin Durant was just – you know, a baby. Um, I was at a Cavs Oklahoma City game where LeBron James swatted a three or not a three, swatted a layup by Kevin Durant. Um, and then on the ensuing possession, they went down and he kicked a Booby Gibson in the corner for three with like under 10 seconds left and he switched it and won. And that's like one of my favorite Cavs memories, to be honest with you. So Booby Gibson's another great one as well. I just remember, if you remember, I'm sure you do pretty well, obviously. They would just always make these moves, and they thought they were, like, huge moves. Like, they were going to put them in a better spot. Or, you know, they were going to be able to compete with... Like, when they got Antoine Jameson, it was like, this is yep. going to be the guy we need to compete with Boston. And it was like, no. Um, Watching Anton Jameson trying to guard Kevin Garnett was the most frustrating thing I've probably ever been through. Um, aside from maybe trying to watch the Drunas Agalskis chase around Dwight Howard in, you know, when he was still with the Magic. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Um, let's talk a little about a little bit of the other league while I still have you here. Um, 
So, you know, obviously a lot of teams made moves, a lot of good ones. Um, and I know we'll touch on this on my show this week also. Um, who's someone that really stood out to you as a big-time winner this offseason? Golden State's easy to say because I have Kevin Durant to take that huge discount. Um, and they got to keep their, you know, three of their big-time bench players. But other than that, you know, they don't count. Any other team you thought won really well besides them? I've liked Minnesota for a while now. And yeah. last last season, I was actually perplexed at how they weren't winning more. And I just love that what they've done, adding Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, um, and Taj Gibson. Gibson, sorry. Yeah. Um, and that really just rounds out their lineup really well. They've got some good bench players um, as to go along with those guys, and they're playing for Coach Thibodeau. So I'm really interested to see how they do because um, I think they stack up very well, and I I don't know. Unfortunately for them, you know, the West is, you know, everyone's favorite word these days is a bloodbath, and that's pretty accurate. Um, but I would – in today's NBA, I think that they've assembled a lineup that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, at least their starting lineup that makes a lot of sense to compete with some of these better teams. So that that's one team I, I peg as a big winner, especially considering that they swapped draft picks with the Bulls. They got rid of Zach Levine, who isn't going to play until probably – and this might hurt for you as a Bulls fan – but who <laughs> isn't going to play until November at the earliest. They're kind of dead and, right now anyway. Yeah, and uh, and Chris Dunn, who really wasn't a factor for them last year anyway. Um, so that's that's just a team that I, I'm excited about, and I might just go buy a, uh, a Timberwolves jersey. I'm going to go with Carl Anthony Towns, maybe. I'm with you, man. I, I love them, obviously, you know, being Tibbs being my guy and Jimmy being my guy also. I did try to call him. I didn't get through. Um, yeah, I waited till later that night, and he had already, <laughs> like, changed his number. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, like you mentioned with the swapping of the picks, getting Justin Patton that pick is, was such a great value selection for them um, as a guy they can go fill in there. You know, they still have Georgie Zhang, who I think is really underrated. So, yeah, you're right. I love the Timberwolves team. Um, it's easy to talk about how good of an offseason Phillies had, considering they got to get Markel Fultz at a bargain. And bringing J.J. Redick and I think, is going to be huge for them because bringing those two together really fixes that Ben Simmons lack of shooting issue. Because mm-hmm. the other guys around him do do uh, shoot well, and I think Robert Covington's really underrated. So I think he's gonna be huge for Philly also. And um, I'll tell you a team I you know. So those teams really stood out to me as well. Sorry, I missed the I I, I cut you cut out for a second there. What did you? What was the question? Oh no, I was just I was just adding uh, talking about Philly and how how I thought I really oh, liked their off oh. season so. Sorry, yeah, I, I don't know what just happened. But anyway, um, yeah, Philly, uh, Philly, things are working out like perfect for late, perfectly for them. I feel like they had a pretty close to perfect offseason as far as giving J.J. Redick a one-year $23 million deal was just – was like almost genius because like you know you're not going to – is J.J. Redick worth $23 million? Absolutely not. But for Philly, who's got money to spend, cap room, young players that are going to be on these like rookie type contracts for five to seven years, um, they've got like some good players on bargain deals essentially, and they're young, and they're going to be able to compete. And then you add a veteran, um, you outbid other teams because you know if JJ Redick had gone to, I don't, someone else, 
chances are he doesn't get anywhere near close to 23 million per year. You convince him to come play with these young guys, overpay him, and it's perfect. And then you have salary cap flexibility for the next offseason as well. Um, once some other players are like, whoa, look at this team, assuming that they, yeah. you know, hold up to their end of the bargain. And then you've got cap room to go sign some, you know, a mega free agent if you want to next season. So it was perfect for them as well. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And on top of that, the East is down. So, right. Um, we could be talking about the 76ers as like a four seed next year, which would be interesting, but yeah, we didn't even mention that they signed Amir Johnson. I think he's a really good role player for them also. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little about the Paul George deal because I feel like it was uh, pennies on the dollar for how they made the deal. I understand that when he made his announcement, which a lot of people think he's a jerk for that, but I kind of like respected what he did, but give them the opportunity to do like to get something out of him. Um, I like him as a pairing with Russ. I know a lot of people say that they, like, no one wants to play with Russell Westbrook. I think that those two could be really good together. I think, you know, they're not going to beat the Warriors by any stretch, but they might be able to play like six or seven with the Rockets and Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as, you know, I can see where both teams were coming from. I think that Indiana, for the most part, got the raw end of the deal but obviously they picked that deal so they don't feel that way but for them it made sense because they get victor oladipo who's a pretty solid player he's not making based off of you know what the salary cap is now he's not making an exorbitant contract he's under contract for a long time so i see where that benefits them he's also obviously now playing in the state where he went to college and had so many so many fans so that maybe had something to do with it i don't know and then as far as for the thunder I mean, <laughs> kind of the same thing. Like, what do you have to lose at this point? Um, was Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, like, were they going to be the two guys that got you over the hump? Well, obviously not. So it was a trade two fifty cent pieces for a, for a dollar type of a deal. And I think that whenever you do that in the NBA, that's, that's a good thing. And if you make a run at the three, four seed in the West, Maybe that's a little bit high for the Thunder. Who who knows? But if you're able to get you know a respectable seed, then next offseason you convince another guy to come, and maybe you're back to where you were before that. Um, so I think it makes a lot of sense. And if he leaves, then you know what? Then maybe you just start over after that. But I think it's worth doing. I think it's worth sending the message that you're willing to take chances to a guy like Russell Westbrook who could you know opt out at the end of next year and leave. I think that was part of the uh, part of the thought process as well so i think it made a lot of sense for both sides i did too i agree all right man so last thing before we get you out of here and again you're very kind to be with me uh, me on the show as long as you have today um you know there's a lot of dumb ones out there as far as takes on the legacy of lebron james what is your favorite stupid lebron take that you hear Mm. oh i don't know i probably the one that you can only compare players based on how many rings they've won. Um, and <laughs> because nothing happens in a vacuum. I, I understand that Michael Jordan got six rings and that he was undefeated in the finals. I understand that LeBron only has three rings and is now lost in the finals. What now? Five times, I think. Yeah. Um, but there are just so many more layers to it. So that's what I think is probably the stupidest is that, you know, Michael Jordan has lost and has in the first round before he's been swept in a playoff series before things LeBron James you know hasn't had to endure so I think that's probably what makes me the most upset 
Um, because, you know, if we're comparing rings, then, you know, Robert Ory is one of the best NBA players ever. John Sally, so, so you know, John Sally should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that's probably the one that, that gets me going the most. My favorite was I was told last year that his legacy doesn't mean anything because he did all this in the weak Eastern Conference. I think you and I both know why the Eastern Conference is is weak, and that's because he's in it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I actually want to do this show to the point where I literally just like get like all the dumb LeBron James takes I've heard in my life. I pull them out of a hat, and I give my opinion on why they're dumb. So <laughs> if I do this, if I really make it happen, I'm inviting you, and we're going to do this okay. together. Fantastic. I can't wait. So, Ben, before I get you out of here, it's only it's only right of me, since you did me a favor today, that I give you the floor to and I'll give a shout-out to where fans can find your work, whether it be your podcast, your writing, anything you want to put out there, by all means. Here you go, man. Yeah, um, so definitely probably the easiest way for people to keep up with me is through following me on Twitter, at bbelden330. Um, I share an area code with LeBron James, so I'm really <laughs> – I'm really uh, – I don't know. I, uh, I I shout that out whenever I can. So I just write for so many different places. It's probably easiest if you just go and find the links that I post on there. Um, but definitely go check out, if you're a Notre Dame fan listening to this, go, definitely go check out goldendomerdaily.com. That's one thing that I have to keep saying. Um, we just redid our whole website, and it just looks it just looks fantastic. I'm so excited to, for football season to get closer and uh, um, do things like that and subscribe to the Under the Dome podcast through the same website and stuff like that as well. You know how you said the number one Notre Dame podcast and downloads on iTunes, right? Yeah, I did. What, what, we'll have to talk about what happened there. Yeah. Um, no, my point was if you if you overtake that, I am more than happy for that to be you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, uh, I, we've got some work to do, but you know, <laughs> we'll we'll see what we can do. Yeah. But hey, uh, that's been the quarter three, the Cavaliers offseason special, the Fourth of July phenomenon. Uh, we will be back, as you know, every Friday. Our shows will go up, but this will be a special early on in the week. But we'll have a show, another show this week at all as well to recap the first week of free agency. Um, you can check us out Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play. Give us that like and subscribe as always. And check us out at thecorner3.net. Everyone, have a good night and have a great, safe 4th of July. <laughs>